0: Hello and welcome to How We Live Online. I'm Christina. I'm Joanna. And this is the premiere of Season 4 Placemaking. This season,
1: we're focusing on spaces. Places. Areas. Man-made. And naturally occurring. And we're going to talk about the
0: deep sea, outer space, government-seized land. Smart homes. Atlanta's cop city, dystopian landscapes drones racist urban planning the health risks of server farms
1: the surveillance state virtual reality gaming the list goes on thank you for returning for our fourth season we have an exciting update we are now a video podcast yay you can watch the video version on spotify and youtube at how we live online And please be sure to follow us on Instagram for the latest
0: updates, rate us on Spotify and Apple Music, and subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, which is also called How We Live Online. And I'm going to be starting up a video essay series
1: on that channel in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that as well. So for the new listeners, we're going to introduce ourselves. Christina and I have been BFFs since high school, and we've even lived together in college and right after college. We led some of the best, most influential group projects our schools have ever seen. And in a way, this podcast is a continuation of that legacy. It's true. So I'm Joanna. I'm 25 years young, and I'm looking for love in the villa. Oh, wait. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Wrong intro package. (laughs) I'm a data scientist, (laughs) a current library science master's student. I am pro-going outside and anti-social media. Just kidding, but not really. Um, my life's goal is to run an antique map gallery that also sells bonsai trees and coffee. That's changed significantly from like the co- just the coffee shop. It's always been all together. Oh, okay. I guess I just never knew. Yeah, they just have to be co-located. The part that I'm hung up on is, like, the business owner part. So, like, I have right. to figure out how it's, like, not a business. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I have had the same, like, Love Island words in my head this week. Talk, pie me off. And bye. <laughs> bye. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway um that threw me off okay i'm christina i recently graduated with a master's of fine arts in creative writing for fiction and nonfiction. i'm a reader i'm a writer i'm big into the internet i was gonna say big on the internet but i'm not yet not yet um i'm currently doing freelance work as a copy editor and a podcast producer i'm writing a novel about reality tv i do this podcast I love overthinking about pop culture. Um, And this fall, I'm an adjunct professor teaching expository writing. So I'm basically an expert in backing my arguments and meshing a bunch of um, ideas together at once, which is what the podcast
1: is. So true. Mm -hmm. So the way we do this podcast is we have an idea or a question or curiosity. Then we do a bunch of research about it. And we present that research to one another to come up with some sort of answer.
0: Or an attempt at an answer. And things we've discussed in the past are, how are we going to archive the entire internet? Is the government going to archive all of Kim Kardashian's tweets? Like the first tweets she ever made that were like, duck face, I'm so excited to get Pinkberry. Or am I gonna have to do that myself? Because it's part of history.
1: We've also explored when people started making sex dolls and what did the early sex dolls look like? <laughs> Why does crypto feel so hypermasculine?
0: And just like in general, what's up with raw vegans
1: who hurt them? All of that. They're not okay. No. We have questions and we need answers. Joanna, I have a question. Yeah. What are you drinking right now? Oh my god, great question, Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, my Bev, let's do a quick <laughs> ASMR moment. Is that a glass straw? Yeah, it is a glass straw. <laughs> Meredith Barber, PhD in history, has them, and she influenced me to get glass straws. Okay, anyways. Wow. I am um, drinking an ice green tea. It's been my drink of the summer. I love it and today it's in a glass that is a Washington football team glass rip the Washington football team branding as the Washington football team i miss it
0: wait what was it but, oh right
1: cuz it's the commanders now yeah it's commanders now
0: when you hold it up and it's just nt keep it going <laughs> keep it going i was like no, no no nt not tn i was like does that say yeah, I mean, just a little bit looks like it. Mm. Um, Quick cue, is there any like sweetener in that at all?
1: Sometimes, mm-hmm. but not usually. Typical. Me? I'm drinking
0: <laughs> an iced coffee that I had this morning. And then it's now only this much. And I'm over caffeinated, frankly. Yeah. I don't need any more of it, so I probably won't be drinking it at all. Well, you don't have that but much. But it is here. Though. Yeah. And it's really
1: good. It made like it a great color. Your peanut butter color.
0: Yeah. I am starting a movement. Peanut butter colored coffee. That's the best ratio of oat milk to coffee for me. As Joanna and I were thinking of all of the things that we could talk about for this season that is focused on place. Um First first and foremost, like I would say that the thing that really drove us to this idea was drones and like my general hatred for drones and like this idea of like who owns the space around us because it seems like every space is owned by something. Um and we ended up on this idea of what's at the bottom of the ocean is none of my business, which I was like, Joanna, people keep making this joke over and over on the internet. What's at the bottom of my ocean is none of my business, but I'm pretty sure I saw it like a long time
1: ago and people are just saying it again. Never heard that. Never heard. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that phrase. And I think it's hilarious. Right. So when I told her that, she was like, oh, that's, you're like, oh, that's funny yes yeah and it is a funny joke yeah I'm not finding it as funny I don't know I it was one of those things that like should have been I wish my live recording of it yeah live, my live hearing of it was recorded because yeah. such an internetism.
0: yeah and it is and it's funny but I was like I feel like the first time that I saw stuff about that was by this um writer that I really I definitely talked about her on the podcast before she's just like someone I've been following on the internet for so long. Her name's um, Balu Babalola, and she's from, she's Nigerian and British, and she's a very successful writer. I have her book in front of me um, called Love and Color. It's short stories. Anyway, she's like a big Twitter personality, and she tweeted years ago, what's at the bottom of the ocean is none of my business. Mm. And her tweets always go pretty viral. She's very funny. Anyway, so then I was like, who said this? I swear to God, it was Balu. And then I was searching for it. And the first thing that comes up was a recent tweet from her that said, when I said two years ago that the ocean is none of my business, the girls were accusing me of encouraging agoraphobia. And now look, people are catching on, I told you.
1: (laughs) I don't, (laughs) like I stand by my decision to be off Twitter like <laughs> encouraging agoraphobia by saying what's at the bottom of the ocean is none of my business <laughs> what is like what is in people's heads and why do they put that out into the world i don't understand <laughs> but also it's so funny <laughs> it's just crazy i'm glad for balu's story like the arc of that like that That people good. are agreeing yeah
0: yeah So I was, like, scrolling through, like, who's making this joke. Just searching Ocean, none of my business on Twitter. And there are, like, so many tweets about it and so many recent ones about it. And just from looking at the profile photos, I didn't do any, like, actual data catching. (laughs) 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 I didn't collect anything. I didn't catch any Pokemon data. But just from looking at the profile pictures a lot of the people making this joke are black women and other women of color. And then like some white women in there as well. But essentially like the women of Twitter do not want to know what's at the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's very funny. And also very much like we've talked about this like divine feminine thing before, like one with nature, like blah, blah, blah. And then like the masculine opposite is like conquering things and Blah, blah, blah. But if you want to listen to our divine femininity episode, it's up on YouTube now. So enjoy. But the ocean is this like very scary, beautiful thing, and people have been making this joke recently because of the billionaires who went to the Titanic wreckage and their. It's not totally... It wasn't a submarine. It was like a submersive vessel. Couldn't technically be called a submarine, but it imploded um and so people have been talking about that a lot but I'm scared of the ocean in the sense that like I love the ocean I think it's like thrilling and I loved I spent a lot of time when I did go to the beach or like the lake or whatever this year I spent a lot of time in the water because the summer has just been so hot like there's no way to not be in the water and the lake is not the ocean No, I know the lake is not the ocean, but I'm saying, like, it's a force. Like, it's still, like, the water is this, like, very strong thing. And I feel like it is similar to, like, playing in the ocean to me is very similar to the thrill of, like, playing with a mean cat. Because there's this element of fear that makes it, like, so
1: exhilarating. Mm. You know? I don't know, because I <laughs> never went to the beach as a kid, and I also have never owned a cat. Roller coasters. I've been on roller coasters.
0: Yeah, they're fun because they're scary. Yeah, okay. And I would say that, like, playing with my cat, like, I'm, like, trying not to get scratched because it so not mean. Bad. If you play with her for long enough, she gets mean.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, she's overstimulated. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so much. But, like, the element of fear does make it fun for me. This joke has been very popular in the context of this billionaire billionaires in the ocean. Um, oh, it's called the submersible. It's called a submersible. And this submersible was called the Titan. And for those of you who don't know, although I'm sure you do, um, it imploded on June 18th during a trip to see the wreckage of the Titanic in the North Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. Five people were on the submersible, submersible, it costs, do you know how much it costs to be on it? No.
1: Per person, you had to pay $250,000. I was going to say like, it's in the order of a college tuition.
0: <laughs> yes. So the five people aboard included Stockton Rush, who was the founder and the CEO of Ocean Gate Expeditions. He was the pilot of the vessel. He was... He was like, and these are have all, all these people have passed away. He was like a villain in like a sci-fi movie, like just very much like we we can explore it, so we will kind of vibe, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. There's Hamish Harding, who is a British billionaire with three Guinness World Records. Okay, and they're also very funny world records because they're not like physical feats. It's not like he like did the most jumping jacks or something, which like that would impress me more. But these were the these were the three things: um, the fastest circumnavigation via both poles by airplane. So he like went up and down really fast, Isn't and then both poles, 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 poles. Okay,
1: I. Uh- Listener, let me know in the recording if it sounded like Christina said holes, because to <laughs> me, it sounded like you just said fastest circumnavigation <laughs> via both holes. <laughs> via both holes. Okay, the longest duration
0: at full ocean depth by crude vessel. And the longest distance traversed at full ocean depth by... Krug vessel. So, longest duration and then longest distance of, like, going down to the ocean. Whatever. Okay. Paul, this guy's name is French, so it's going to be hard for me to say it. Paul-Henri Narjolet, former commander of the French Navy. Um, he, Yeah, he had completed 35 dives to the wreck of the Titanic himself. Then he pays two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to go on a little submersible down there i'm like you already went 35 times in fact why are you paying like a quarter of a million dollars to see it again through one tiny little window there's one window in the thing shazada dawood was a pakistani businessman he was the head of engro corporation which was one of the largest conglomerates in the country Um, of food, agriculture, energy, and telecommunications. And he was there with his teenage son, Suleiman. So those were all of the characters on the ship. And because I can't empathize with these people, I think I can with their families. Like I would, that is is obviously tragic, but because I'm having a hard time empathizing with them, I'm comparing them so much to the people on, in the movie Glass Onion.
1: Hmm.
0: I can't stop. Like, I'm just seeing them as that. That's funny. Yeah.
1: So, sorry to them.
0: But, okay. Here's some facts about the wreckage. The Titanic wreckage was 12,500 feet deep in the ocean. Now, Joanna, I ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're building a vessel to get you... 12,500 feet deep into the ocean. Okay. When you're building it, you're like, okay, I have to go 12,500 feet deep, so the vessel should probably max out at
1: what depth would you try oh, to Oh, like do? what depth could it withstand? Yeah, would you try to make it withstand? Probably more than that. I think that in the ocean, it would probably be tricky because Like, you know, pressure is, and obviously it imploded. So pressure was the main adversary. But I think pressure kind of, like, probably increases very fast. So it's probably hard to, like, really overshoot it because it would have to withstand, like, maybe not exponentially, but just, like, a lot more pressure for every additional depth it achieves but more than that do you want to know like what it maxed out at what cuz i'm going to tell you
0: yeah well in meters it's 4000 meters but in so in feet it was 13,123
1: feet deep so like 600 more so feet like, than it? you get you they they literally gave themselves 600 feet of
0: like wiggle room
1: yeah, I I would like to know, like, how, like, what pressure, like, what's the difference in pressures at those points? Because, like, how much of a technological feat would it be to really, like, get those increased pressure points, you know?
0: But Navy, Navy vessels, like submarines, are always built to go, like, thousands of feet deeper than you're supposed to be able to go. Mm, interesting. But it's also the U.S. Navy. But so that was a real, that was real close, very close. And um, within hours, they lost communication with the people that they were communicating with, and they only had 96 hours of oxygen, you know, oxygen tanks connected to this submersible. So they essentially started this ticking clock immediately once they had lost communication, And even if they were able to resurface, without the communication to the Ocean Gate people, they still wouldn't have been able to actually get out of the submersible. Mm. Because you could only open it from the outside. Oh. And they had sealed it from the outside. It was sealed shut with like 17 very
1: intense bolts. Okay. Huh. I, yeah. An ocean, um, ocean engineer would love to hear from you on some of these things like cuz yeah it sounds just yeah like a recipe for disaster also really funny that the company is literally named ocean gate and like anything <laughs> gate is like the, what the the suffix they use for a bad thing post water <laughs> gate
0: <laughs> oh my god that's funny i thought you were going to say oh i guess that's engage learning
1: or whatever the like
0: the online encyclopedia thing, something gate right? Oh,
1: Gale or send Gage. Oh,
0: I don't know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, Ocean but Gate. Yeah,
0: Watergate. Literally Watergate.
1: Yeah, Ocean Gate.
0: Watergate. <laughs> 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 okay, so you're we agree that like this is pro- this is like a bad design.
1: We're not engineers. Yeah, I don't know. Like this, is what I'm saying, like. It sounds yeah, but so wouldn't you think designed.
0: that an an ocean engineer who is this is their job would probably think that that's a bad idea as we think it's a bad idea?
1: Well, this is what I'm saying is that like we think it's a bad idea, but I don't know the physical constraints of the ocean that yeah. you're up against when you're engineering. So like I don't know if there's a better way to do it. Yeah, I would trust so- that an engineer would do a good job, but. Maybe I'm too trustful.
0: When things go into the depths of the ocean, usually they have to be evaluated for safety standards. That's a good um, idea. Yeah. However, Mr. Rush, the CEO, refused to have the vessel classed, which, you oh know, means God. evaluated, because, quote, "innovation often falls outside of the existing industry paradigm." And by itself, classing is not sufficient to ensure safety. I mean, if you just want to be safe, don't get out of bed, don't get in your car, don't do anything. Is that still a quote? That's those are from two separate times, but they're like, why do you not have it classed? He said, "Well, innovation often falls outside the industry paradigm." And then a year before, when like talking about. Going on these expeditions and stuff, he it was quoted to tell CBS, like, don't get out of bed. Don't do anything. At some point, you're going to have to take some risk. And it really is a risk reward question.
1: And he also adds that safety is a pure waste. I don't know which one, but that is some logical fallacy.
0: Um, we should do a mini set on logical fallacies just to, yeah. <laughs> just to remember that. I'm switching gears now. Think yeah. of that quote. Everyone, think about it. And now I present you with this information. Also in June of this year, the United Nations International Organization for Migration updated the number of migrants who have died trying to reach Europe by sea this year, which was 2,000. Um, Namely, migrants are leaving Tunisia and Libya and seeking refuge in Italy and Greece. They're crossing the Mediterranean in iron boats, which are like not, very sea friendly. Um, and the reason for this, specifically in Tunisia, it, um, the country is experiencing a significant economic downturn. There are food shortages, inflation, unemployment, and generally um, a time of poverty. So these are people who are seeking asylum. And the risk reward analysis for me is definitely an easy one to grasp. You either stay in an unstable country or you seek refuge and a better life somewhere else via this terrible voyage. Um, And by better life, I mean like actually having food and a home and a job. And then when you think of the risk reward analysis for someone like Stockton Rush, it's like risk being rich and boring or being rich and famous, being innovative. Like, the risk-reward,
1: I just, yeah. One thing that was, like, really confusing to me, yeah, I think you bring up, like, a very uh sad <laughs> comparison between these two things, when this was all, like, taking up so much time in the media I was very confused like I know it's it's tragic and we've already established like we're trying to have empathy but I think for a lot of us like it's just kind of difficult but like yeah the amount of time that was dedicated to talking about this was like a lot and one thing I remember that they said was how even like in title like all of these people got like titles on the expedition and they were like they sort of saw themselves as like scientists. Yeah. Like it is important probably, like research isn't okay. I agree. Research is important. Um it's true. (laughs) Like we learn a lot and like the impacts of research can be like, you know, great. These people, I think, like, thought they were doing legitimate research. Yeah. And so I think that... Like, oh, like, going. Yeah, like, they thought, like, they got titles. Like, I'm not sure, like, what the... I could Google it really quick. Yeah, I want to know. I didn't come across that. But I do know that, like, they were, like, meant to have these, like, technical jobs. And, like, sort of not just, like, doing... Or I think the experience was sold... As, like, not just tourism, but, like, you know, research. It Yeah,
0: like, exploration. We're going to go find something. We're going to go do something no one's ever done before. But that submersible had actually gone on that trip twice before. Mm. Which I think is interesting. And then, like, it got all this press because it was lost. But also I think that like maybe bigger names were going on at that time. But yeah, I had apparently done that mission twice. Mission twice successfully. For normal people people, this idea of like the risk and reward analysis for someone like Stockton Rush, like is stupid to me. It doesn't make any sense. Like you don't actually have to go on this mission for survival. You're just risking your life to be cool. Is like a reductive way to say it, but also kind of true. And yet, there is this extremely long history of the ultra-rich white men going on risky, elaborate journeys to conquer the elements, prove their manliness, and assert their superiority. So I'm just gonna run us through a few. And am so excited. White men exploration through the ages. There's, you know. As we know, 15th century European explorers coming to America and the Caribbean for land and the Fountain of Youth. Um, there's, we're gonna skip kind of far into the significantly this time in the 1850s-ish, late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, this American westward expansion, the belief that white settlers were destined to expand democracy and capitalism across the continent. They used God as the way to justify the removal of Native Americans and push white people to um, the edge of America. And so that is, what? What's it called? Manifest Destiny? Manifest Destiny? Okay, I'm gonna point us to Madison Grant, a man a bestie of Teddy Roosevelt, who founded organizations to preserve the bison and the California redwoods. Um, He was part of this, like, late 19th century is the 1800s.
1: Right? I don't know. Not the right person to ask.
0: 1890s-ish. Group of conservationists who created the, in quotation marks, conservationists, who created the national parks, um, but with this eugenicist undertone. So Grant um, reportedly wrote that humans had in quotes, complete mastery of the globe, and his generation had, quote, the responsibility of saying what forms of life shall be preserved. Makes you think. Makes you think. Who deserves to expand? Also around this time, this is a big time for crazy white guys going all across the land um we have rold amundsen who was from norway who's the first man in the south pole um along with ernest shackleton his later exploration there as well um wikipedia calls this the heroic age of antarctic exploration Each of these expeditions became a feat of endurance that tested and sometimes exceeded the physical and mental limits of its personnel. The heroic label bestowed later recognized the adversities which had to be overcome by these pioneers, some of whom did not survive the experience. A total of 19 expedition members died during this period. So there's this idea of heroism like Conquering the elements, going through these physical challenges to go to an untapped part of the globe. The Titanic itself also was happening during this time, 1911, um, which I like, I don't know why I assumed it was like a cruise,
1: but it wasn't. Did you know that? It was just to go across, right? Yeah. People got across
0: yeah it was for I mean obviously it was like a luxury voyage, but it was from England to New York, and it was for like rich people who were moving to New York. I didn't Did realize such
1: a thing as a cruise
0: at the time, yeah, I don't think so, but I was just like, this looks really fancy in the pictures of Kate Blanchette. I never watched that whole movie.
1: I think I have once maybe
0: isn't it like it's too long. Yeah. Can't watch long movies. Me neither. So we have that like very significant period of of exploration. Fast forward to now, one could argue that we've like run out of land to look at. Um, and people are starting to go to space, go to the depths of the ocean. People are um, climbing Mount Everest. Joanna, as someone who goes to national parks and things... How much does it cost for you to have, like, an annual parks
1: pass to, like, park there or whatever? Or just go? Um, The annual pass is, like, $80. And what does it give you? Just, like, access to the park? Yeah, it's basically parking. Like, you can enter any park on foot for free or on bike. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think they go to, like, the National Parks Foundations, which, like support the upkeep of the parks and like getting rid of the trash that people bring all that stuff the trash yeah um
0: how much do you think it costs to hike the app trail
1: oh i don't know just guess, like if you had a good guess. I mean, I I would guess, I mean, the only way I can analogize it is to like less expensive than it would take to live in the real world during that same time. Like, are you counting like food and food gear? I don't know about
0: like paying your rent, I guess not that part.
1: Yeah, I would guess like 3000 to $5,000. I mean, depending on how much like, I'm, I'm guessing it can really vary, like, if you yeah. spend a lot of money on things versus not.
0: Yeah. Just a quick Google, because I was curious. It said, like, 5000 to $7,000, which is, like, again, when you compare it to, like, living in, like, the average person paying their rent and stuff. Like, it's not mm-hmm. a wild and crazy thing, because what it's, like, a five-month... Yeah, yeah.
1: something like that.
0: Yeah. But... How much do you think it costs to, this is just like the price is right, but for hiking. How much do you think it costs to
1: climb Mount Everest? Oh. <laughs> I would guess like at least $10,000.
0: Joanna, I need you to know this fact.
1: I don't want to know. <laughs> the permit,
0: just the permit. Mm-hmm is eleven thousand dollars. Wow. And the price total to climb it can be between thirty and sixty thousand dollars. How long does it take people? Mm, good question. How long does it take? Two months.
1: Wow. That's actually longer than I thought. Like I thought it was I, no, you know I don't know never mind
0: okay I would literally never do that
1: I love thinking of about being... you would never do it like no I know but like even with the money but you would never I think the more interesting thing is like I would never do that
0: oh because you would do something kind of like that
1: yeah like I might realistically hike like you know a different mountain that is big and crazy. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I have, it, I have because, a okay. problem going on, like, a five-mile hike. A five-mile hike can be really long, like... Yeah, it's five miles. Yeah. The hike I did up to Mount Washington was five miles. <sighs> the up? Yeah. Then back? Yeah. Wow. Because it can be five miles really steep.
0: You're so strong.
1: <laughs> You're literally Ernest Shackleton. <laughs> I am kind of curious like the difference in all of these names and people and like who because I think one theme that is coming up to me right now is like government versus like individual
0: exploration
1: Mm -hmm. yeah like because I think individuals have been like contracted by the government to explore and like research areas Mm -hmm. like an astronaut Like, I don't think we would call or think of astronauts as, like, rich people exploring for the sake of exploring. Yeah. There's, there's it's on a spectrum, but, like, I guess I'm curious, like, how many of these people, like, was Shackleton, like, just on their own going to Antarctica? I don't think so. But there was, like, this piece of, like, claiming the land for the United States, which is, like... Weird, and even like the fact that Antarctica is like divided between like seven nations or something is just so weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, who wants it? There's a lot of resources there potentially. Like everyone wants it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm like, it's cold. No, like it's a strategic. It's an important strategic thing. Oh, uh, for war. Yeah. yeah, for a war. Oh, for like war! I read a good book about this actually. I think it's called "The Geography of Politics" or "The Politics of Geography." If you like maps, <laughs> should read that book. We're do maps. Yeah, this is a great season for your map interest. Yeah, if you like uh, maps, you could also patronize my vintage map gallery one day. <laughs> one day,
0: I looked at the flat Earth map for this because I was like, maybe gonna. Incorporate it somehow, but then I did a flat earth map. Just shows you that the earth is all flat and stuff.
1: It just proves that the earth is flat. Because all maps are flat. Like the definition (laughs) of a map is that it's a 2D representation of the earth. It's like it's like a globe.
0: Like let's say you have a globe. (laughs) Imagine that. And then imagine looking down, picked up her globe, and then looking down at it. And then it's a circle. It's a map that is a circle.
1: Okay, I'll look it up on my own time. Okay, it's true. What am I? I
0: think I'm a, what's it called? A flat earther. Do you know that video of Millie Bobby Brown?
1: Um. I know that Millie Bobby Brown said that she was a flat earther, but it's a
0: video of her being like, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I think I'm a, what's it called, <laughs> a flat earther.
1: It's so funny. Um,
0: But to your point about the astronauts, I think that there's like this, uh, I don't know, like celebrity kind of thing happening with it too. Like, I mean, astronauts are like, yeah, the race to the moon. U.S. wanted to be at the moon because it's the U.S., blah, 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 right? You can put it on the United States. But Jeff Bezos going on his, like, 11-minute joyride to space Mm -hmm. is, I'm like, he was only there for 11 minutes. He wasn't even in space, really. He was just like, he touched the, he was like edging space.
1: Just the tip of space.
0: He was literally just at the tip of space in his stupid cowboy hat. So uh-huh. like and then to come back and be like, I'm so sick. It's like you're just
1: rich. Yeah. I think it I think it exists on an interesting spectrum because like yeah. astronauts also have like traversed into the realm of celebrity status. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: like I think it you're pointing out a really interesting relationship between like like, just how we esteem explorers, be they, like, legitimate, trained people or people who can do this just because they're rich. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I'll just say my last words about it, about the whole thing. There's this history of wealthy white men going on these elaborate trips to conquer their fears and the elements and space in some way. Um, They're trying to prove their manliness, be a hero, say they survived some imaginable, unimaginable danger. Um, But they're also like on this trip to go see what the, the peasants in their lives like will never, ever, ever be able to see because they can't afford to. They can't like they literally can't afford to go. And they also can't afford the risk of dying because when someone who is the like main supporter for their family goes on a trip like this they are actually risking not just their own livelihood but also their community's livelihood Mm -hmm. so that's just like never going to be something that like even given the opportunity someone in that i can't imagine that someone in that position would ever take the risk you know these explorer explorers are using it are using this like exploration or these journeys to assert some kind of superiority and their answer to the question just because i have the means to do it should i is always yes and we've talked about this idea before um in the crypto episode but like this idea of well someone's gonna do it so why not me someone's bound to create cryptocurrency someone's bound to create a lifelike doll that we can fuck someone's bound to stick a camera in every public crevice someone's bound to make a generative ai that can replace the human workforce so like why can't it be me who beats them to the punch like that is the line of thinking that i see in all of this and i think it's something that we're going to continue to talk about over and over again but like this excuse of human humans are walking towards this kind of innovation, why can't I be the one at the forefront is, it's like cowardly to me. Like, actually we won't invent it if you
1: don't invent it. Like
0: <laughs> that that is a possibility,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny, like, because you also point out like 11 minutes in space or like this like mm-hmm. small porthole. Through which you're able to like see something. Yeah. It's like, is it really, like, as you're saying, like, is it really that cool? Like, (laughs) like, is it not just dark? Wouldn't you be upset, like, that, like, Susie's, like, funny trip to the grocery store is, like, gonna get more, like, attention at the dinner party, like, than you explaining, like, oh, yeah, it was in a metal box for 96 hours or like 11 minutes and like oh yeah it was near space but like
0: it's like oh my god look like oh i just saw like a blank like the blank sky
1: yeah i've seen earth rise like <laughs> i you know i could i could google better pictures of the moon than you could ever explain yeah you're not the ej webb telescope and if
0: Susie is a really good storyteller no one cares about your (laughs) face yeah that's that's where we land haha on the first episode of the season i just wanted to talk about like all these freaking billionaires in space why Mm -hmm. are why are all these why are all these old white men going going to space going to really cold places and literally all I was thinking about when I was doing this research, I'm like more money, more problems, like literally just inventing, yeah. inventing risk.
1: Yeah. I think they don't encounter so- it daily. Yeah. I think too, like probably maybe they should study psychologically, like the reward mechanisms in these people's brains. Like, I wonder if like having so much money, you've just completely like fucked up your neurochemistry. And, like, can't have reasonable goals anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't imagine, like, not being satisfied by, like, doing something normal and, like, feeling like you have to, like, goal setting. Like, put these people in therapy and, like, teach them, like, goal setting. Do they not, (laughs) like, why can't you get, like, a normal high from, like, achieving normal things like the rest of us?
0: Elon's therapist is like, Elon, Elon, like, how how's your life at home? Like, how's Grimes? Like, are you guys co-parenting okay? And he's like, I don't care. Me and Bezos are working on Twitter in space. We're going to send Twitter servers to space. And she's like, but Elon, like, what about your son, Algebra? Like, is Algebra doing okay? And Elon's like, ah, oh, he's a lost cause. But Elon, he's only five. (laughs) Maybe you and Grimes could like go on a picnic with algebra.
1: (laughs) I'm only going to picnic with algebra if it's by the sea of tranquility.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me and Grimes will go to the fountain of youth and then I will become my five-year-old son, algebra, and then we can be brothers and I can finally have true companionship.
1: (laughs) Next time, we will be starting uh, the first of a two-part, two-part episode, two-part series on um outer space. Whoa! Gone from the depths of the ocean to the most outer of spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so next week in the first episode of that two-part series, we will be talking about artifacts in outer space, cultural artifacts. What if we put out there for the aliens to discover of us? And who knows, maybe we'll get into a little bit of colonization in space. What kind of ideas are out there about how we could live in the moon, live on Mars, stars on Mars?
0: Okay, if there's something that you would put in space for an alien divine, what
1: would it be? Oh my god, I've already done a little bit of like looking at what they've put out there. It's so funny. Honestly, I don't know. Like,
0: what? First thing that comes to mind, rabbit vibrator. Oh,
1: oh my god.
0: Um, second thing that comes to mind, trampoline. They'd be
1: so annoyed that they can't really use it. Oh my god. <laughs> I love these ideas.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at how we live online follow us on twitter at how we live online freaking follow us subscribe to us on youtube at how we live online rate us on spotify and apple music and give this episode to your best friend just say hey i'm thinking about you shoot it into outer space
1: shoot
0: it shoot it shoot it shoot your shot into the depths of the ocean yeah bye